Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta coming to you live from Stockholm, actually in a Vici Arena, which is uh, named after the late Swedish uh, DJ. I think everybody knows his music. Uh, we're uh, watching the Wild about to, I think, take a team picture here at the arena. Then they're going to go back over to Hovit uh, Arena, Anthony, and do a little practice on the Olympic sheet of ice to prepare finally for a game. Uh, it feels like it's been a month since they last played. And it feels like we've been here on a road trip forever without a game. Yeah. And it, it, you don't get these kind of breaks very often during a season where you you go this many days between games and for sure this team's got a little sour taste in their mouth because the last time they played was such a disastrous effort at home against Dallas. But for guys like you and me, it feels like we've been on the road where normally you're just in one of those routines where you go every other day, you fly into a city, you have an off night, you play a game, you fly into the next city. And here we've been in Stockholm for it feels like about a month and haven't played a game. Yeah, especially uh, we're, we're, prepare, we're recording this before they finally practice for a second time. So that's, that's the other thing. It's like they haven't played since Sunday, but they've only had one practice since, at least here in Stockholm. They, yeah, they had two. They practiced they had the Monday. One the, day yeah. after, the day we left. But to have a Sunday game at home and now you're Friday and you've had two days of practice and that's it. It's it does seem a little strange. And of all the all the four teams, they're they're the ones getting the short shrift. It's it's hilarious to me. They have the crappiest dressing room by far. They're the only team that's practicing every practice on the Olympic sheet. They're the only team that plays 21 hours apart back to back. Uh, so uh, we'll see if they can get themselves out of this. Uh, but we shouldn't complain that we're in Stockholm, Anthony. What no. a cool, cool city. It's unbelievable. And just real quickly on the schedule, it is funny. Everything that has happened here. You just get the feeling like it's let's set up Toronto, yeah, and then have everybody else falling behind. Yeah. So Toronto, you guys would like to have the every other day games. So Toronto, the, the two Canadian teams both get a day off between their games. But Toronto, you'd like to come here, have the extra day to get assimilated. Then you play your every your your games with a day off in between, and we'll give you the opponent that's got to play two in twenty one hours. The only one of the four that has to do that. And but those are things for the team. For us, I think the Wild did wind up in, and even this. So we're in a great hotel, unbelievable hotel, and we happen to be in the same hotel as the Maple Leafs. But everything you do, you walk past the Maple Leafs to get to where the Wild are. <laughs> the, you have to go up an extra couple flights of steps to get to the Wild meal room from where the Leafs room is. It's it just feels well, even like, even the like Toronto took like extra space from the Wild in their like dressing right. room. It's, yeah. it's very bizarre. It, it's like the Wild were just like thrown here as and and are being treated a little bit like castoffs. But 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 Stockholm is unbelievable. It's yeah. been incredible. It, we've there are some things about it that. I had heard, but some of the source was the Swedish guys on the wild roster who, over the course of this camp and early season, I've asked them a few times what to expect. You know, what's it like? And most of them say, oh, it's a lot like Minnesota, a lot like Minnesota. And I think they were referring to the climate. And it's close. It's, it's been it's funny. It's, it's been zero the whole time we've been here. From sun up to sundown, <laughs> which is very short, it's zero, zero Celsius, so 32 Fahrenheit. But it's a, it's kind of a bone chilling 32 because it's just kind of damp and cool, and so it feels a little colder than that. But I'm amazed at how clean the city is. Yeah, it's spotless, and there's there's just nothing. There's no garbage. There's no trash anywhere. There's it's a, it feels like a clean, safe, secure city. It and it's been terrific. The service in the restaurants and the bars has been amazing. The food's been good. It's, and as I said, our hotel is unbelievable with an unbelievable fitness and spa area and everything. It is, it's been terrific. It's been a great week so far and still have a few more nights before we're headed back to the United States, but it has been a terrific trip so far. I'm going to take a picture of what, what Anthony and I are staring at right now, but Anthony and I wound up going to the game rink because that's where the Wild are not practicing. And uh, now the entire Wild roster uh, and full staff are on the ice taking a team picture, everybody facing us as we are recording um, about 
to start probably one of the most negative podcasts we've done. The way they're coming on one of the worst losses I've ever seen. They're just they've lost nine of twelve, uh, three in a row, and uh, and here we we ha- our audience are going to be the people that we are about to talk about. Uh, it's I think it's weird. just impressive to watch Andrew be the guy setting yeah. up where everybody's going to stand for this team picture. Yeah. And I should add, the only reason we're over here in the game rink is because they wouldn't even let you in the practice <laughs> rink. Uh, I'm like, I'm showing the woman. I'm like, the, it opens at 9. She's like, I don't care. So I'm like, all right. So I just came over to the actual game rink that, that they did let me in. So clearly the woman just didn't let know you what she in was there, doing. And the Leafs, I believe, are going to be practicing in here. So yeah. while we're doing the podcast where you weren't allowed in the rink where the Wild are going to practice, <laughs> you're going to be allowed to... I just walked right through, like, the Maple Leafs locker room to get over yeah. here. I know that, like, there's some Wild fans that, like, hate the logo, hate the jerseys, all this stuff. These are some freaking sharp jerseys. Like, when you see them this close up, like, the entire team in them, like, don't you think they're cool jerseys? The Wild's greens? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I like the greens. I actually like the whites better. Yeah, I like the whites. I do like the... I, the Wild have they have solid jerseys. I mean, one reason why the Wild always tell me that they're ne- they're have no interest in rebranding is that like their actual like logo and their their merchandise are like top five in the league, like in terms of jersey sales and stuff like that. So, um, which so. it's surprising they'd be top five when you consider some of the you know the original six teams. Yeah. That that clearly have a hook all over the NHL, not just in their market, but. We talked a little bit about this earlier in the week, and it is—it's amazing the following the Wild have here, the number of Wild fans that are here in this town, the amount of Wild apparel that you see, and the—it's—it's it's remarkable how much more you see than the other teams that are here in Stockholm right now. Um, let's talk about that, actually. Uh, so yesterday I did a podcast with Joe Smith over at O'Leary's Toll, which is one of the most amazing sports bars I've ever seen. They have stadium seating, a giant jumbotron over the bar. Um, and then they gave us the entire upstairs, treated us like gold. Um, but 300 Wild fans came, and it just, again, was a testament to just how Wild fans travel. I mean, obviously this is a special trip, probably a once-in-a-lifetime trip. The Wild aren't going to get a global series again for, for several years. But... You know, it always just impresses me the support that this team uh, gets. And we even saw it at the Toronto Maple Leafs practice the other day. All of a sudden, the Maple Leafs players are on the ice, and there's fans just chanting, let's go wild, during their practice. It was it was beyond hysterical, but it just speaks again to the fan base that we, uh, that we write for and broadcast for and all that stuff. Yeah, it's why it's special. It's why we're so lucky to have a, you know, from a... There are some elements to it that are detrimental. It means we lose the maximum games to national TV every year, and every time we talk about that, I always tell people that I'd much rather be working for a team that was a coveted, a hot commodity, a team that the national networks wanted. Would you rather be covering a team over the last few years, some of the West Coast teams or teams where they lose two or three games a season to national TV? I'd rather be following the team that has this kind of fan base, this kind of interest, and and that's why the networks want to steal games. There was a, a pretty good atmosphere in this building last night. I was over here to do an interview with Commissioner Bettman before the game, and I and saw at least the beginning of it where the atmosphere in the building was raucous. It was for sure pro-Red Wing compared mm-hmm. to Ottawa Senators, so I think we'll probably see the same thing Saturday in the Wilds' favor. And I don't know how many Detroit fans there are here in town compared to Wild fans. How many, maybe there's a lot of people in Sweden that are Red Wings fans. They've had a couple Swedes. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah. That have played for them. <laughs> but the, the when I think I told this story the other day when they when the Red Wings were about to practice here the same day the Wild practice, so on Wednesday. And I walked in, I was talking to some of the people from the Red Wings. They're like, oh, that's our fan group up there. And I looked up, there were like 30 fans there. I said, I, I think the Wild brought 300. Now, maybe a bunch of Red Wing fans just got themselves here on their own. Didn't It wasn't a th- organized through the team kind of thing. And maybe there are a whole bunch of Detroit fans here. I don't know. Because the, the building clearly was pro Red Wings last night. 
And but the Wild having that group and they've been traveling in a pack. They were at a fan fest event that I did on Wednesday. They were at your podcast last night. It just they they've been they've kind of taken over the city. And I've walked in and out of a few restaurants over the last few days. And every time I walk out, I got wild fans stopping me. I went to a museum yesterday. I went to the Vasa Museum to see the Viking ship that they had recovered off the bottom of the Baltic Sea. And as I'm walking out, just some guy who wasn't wearing wild gear, but as I walked out, oh, hey, Anthony, how are you? Which <laughs> when you're, it's weird whenever you're in a different city and that happens, let alone a different continent. And so it it is kind of, it's funny to see, it's cool to see. And everywhere I've gone so far in this town, the Wild fans have just been terrific. And they're excited to see this team play. We can talk about the games in a bit, but the the atmosphere here in Sweden has been fun. Is there a chance that you're supposed to be in this team picture? Because I see Joe, Donald, and Tom Reed on the ice. No, there's no chance I'm supposed to be in this picture. <laughs> um, I feel like you and I are like talking over like the Thanksgiving Day parade or something. Like We're trying to be like very quiet, get this picture over with, and get them off the ice, and then we can proceed to rip the heck out of them. Um, all right, so uh, let's talk about the team. First of all, uh, by the way— the record, when you look out there, Joe O'Donnell and Tom Reed are not in the picture. They're just standing on the ice nearby, yeah. acting as if they're officials. So— <laughs> The TV guys just opt to stand up here in the crowd. Now right. uh, the team ownership and everybody coming, so maybe this is when the radio I'm guys. I'm thinking get that you're supposed to be in this. If I see Carter out there, I'm going to have you run out there, get hop in this. Yeah, I um, will not. I will not be in the picture. Um, by the way, November 21st is our next live show at Tuttle's. Uh, took me long enough to say that, uh, and we are coming to you from the on location Aquarius Home Services studio here inside of each arena. Okay, let's talk about the team. It's been long enough, Anthony. Um, you know. It's been really surprising to me that they just have not been able to turn this around. They had that huge win, uh, most exciting win that we've seen all season against the Rangers a couple weeks ago. Then they followed up with a big win on Long Island. Um, and it's just been downhill ever since, obviously. Uh, the, the game against the Rangers, extremely disappointed. Didn't show up in the first period, dominated the second, uh, but weren't able to build a big enough lead. Gave up the tying goal early in the third and played a so-so game. And then the next night in Buffalo... Um, you know, dominated the game in terms of control, uh, play and all that stuff. C- couldn't get a save, lose the game, and then come home. And obviously, it's, you know, probably a scheduled loss, the game against Dallas. That was going to be hard for them to win four games in six nights in four different cities. You come home against the Dallas Stars, you have to leave the next day for Sweden. That's probably like at the beginning of the season, you look at that, you're like, that's going to be a hard one to win. But I think for us to see them lose in the fashion they did, five power play goals, lose 8-3, Again, start horrendously. Um, it's just been surprising that they have not gained traction so far this season. Yeah, I think out of all of the losses, the Dallas one is the one that that would be worrisome and bothersome. And part of it is, even though I agree with everything you just said about the the challenges of the schedule, those were legit. And I, it, you just think that the team's minds are elsewhere at that point. Mm-hmm. All they're thinking about is, we're home for 48 hours and then we're leaving for Sweden on a much anticipated trip and a not that they're looking past a game ever and it is Dallas it's a divisional opponent and intensity and all that but it was it was a night that was going to be hard for them to win but not to lose eight to three and all the other losses the Rangers I actually agreed with Dean's assessment after the game where when he was asked about their slow start, and he said, I, I really think it had more to do with the Rangers just playing well. They're a good hockey team. They started well. They played well. And Minnesota played well the rest of the night but just didn't have enough to catch them. Buffalo, they, as a team, played about as well as they have played during this stretch and just lost a game that they probably should have won. But then the Dallas game is the one where – and – they took some bad penalties. Dallas made them pay. A Dallas power play that had four power play goals all season scores five in that game. Yeah. They had a shorthanded goal. It was it, once it got rolling the wrong way, the Wild just could not stop it. And and that's a part of what has been the the problem for this team has been they don't have that tightness to their structure that they've always had in the past, where somehow some way they could just lock it down for a night. It's what they did last year after that really slow start. They then all of a sudden put together a stretch where it was 10 games, 16 goals allowed, and 
that followed the brutal stretch at the beginning where they were giving up four, five, six, seven a night. And it was the same team, but it was just they started to play with the commitment, the attention to detail, the structure, all of those kind of things. And I think I still believe that we may see that with this team where you may all of a sudden wind up with a stretch where now they they just start to lock it down. Other teams get six chances a night instead of 12. You get a key save here or there that they haven't been getting. And and it, it can happen that fast. I don't mean to oversimplify, but the, it can. It can happen that fast. And for 23 years or 24 years now, the structure of this team has always been right up there with the best in the NHL. And I don't see any reason why this year has to be any different. Why, why do you think, though, they can't start well? I mean, I, you know, I was saying this to you the other day. is I, I've never seen a team that takes a penalty in the first minute. It seems like every single game. And it always winds up in their net. And it's just it's got to be a demoralizing way to start games if you're the teammates. And, you, you, know, you know, Dewey takes a penalty first minute of the period the other night, winds up in their net. Then Middleton does it. The second period winds up in their net. Then they're still in the game. Duhame takes a five-minute major to go in their net. Um, so they can't start well, and they can't kill a penalty. It's just, it's just, and they can't get a save. These are three recipes for being a five-eight and two team. Yeah, <laughs> and the slow starts have been a problem, without a doubt. But I, I think a part of that goes back to what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. They haven't had the kind of structure and commitment to that structure that they've had in the past, and they just haven't gotten the big save. Their first periods have been problematic, and when you're chasing in this league, it's it's a hard league to come from behind. They had the worst first period goals differential in the NHL. That's got to change, and some of it, I think, is the, the coaching staff's been looking introspectively to say, well, what can we change? What can we do what can we do differently to make sure the guys are ready at the drop of the puck? And it's, I, I just think that it's been a different problem each night. Some nights it's been that it was a soft goal. Some nights it's been an early penalty. Some nights it's just been that they haven't been able to complete a pass and efficiently be out of their zone in the first period. Some nights it's been countless turnovers at the offensive blue line early in a game and not just willing to play the game the way as Dean always says it, to just take what's there and play the simple game. And uh, you know, all of those things are combined to lead to some trouble. They've got to figure it out. And if they don't, you just can't win games when you're fighting from behind night after night after night. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about the coaching staff in a, in a minute. Um, we're nothing without our sponsors, and our newest sponsor is Bowen Lodge on Lake Winnipegoshish. Since 1925, Bowen Lodge has built its reputation as a world-class resort for walleye fishermen visiting northern Minnesota, as well as a premier vacation destination for families seeking the Northwoods experience. Bowen has been owned and operated by the High family for over 40 years and across three generations. Families continue to make Bowen Lodge their home away from home. Traditions have been forged around the campfire, at the beach, on a sunset pontoon ride, or around the cabin. Bowen's five-star location within the Chippewa National Forest allows guests to escape the noise of everyday life, literally and figuratively. Enjoy comfortable cabins overlooking Lake Winnipegoshish, plus a marina that benefits from the calm, protected waters of Cutfoot Sioux Lake. Amenities like fiber internet, AC, and fully equipped kitchens also allow guests to enjoy peace at the lake with the same conveniences of home. The resort is situated at the end of the road in the middle of the woods, giving guests a true experience in the wild north. It's where eagles soar above your cabin and the call of the loons echoes over the lake. At Bowen Lodge, you become family. Start your journey at bowenlodge.com. Navigate the cold and flu season with a breath of clean, purified air. Aquarius Home Services is your trusted ally in enhancing indoor air quality this season. Take advantage of their special offer for $400 off a whole home air purification system. If you find yourself battling allergies, coughing, or congestion, now is the perfect time to explore our IAQ, that's in-home air quality system. Say goodbye to troublesome contaminants like dust, pollen, dander, bacteria, smoke, dust mites, and more, and bask in the healthiness of an improved indoor environment. Wait. 
Experience the difference this cold and flu season with Aquarius's exclusive offer for $400 off a whole home air purification system. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. And don't forget to mention Russo sent you. And here's a word from Chris Lindahl Real Estate. A guaranteed cash offer from Chris Lindahl Real Estate is exactly what you need right now. Everyone can see the real estate market is cooling off quickly. Well, don't be one of the houses that doesn't sell. Be a smart seller and get a guaranteed cash offer today. There are no commissions, no repairs, and no open houses. Chris Lindahl Real Estate's guaranteed offer puts you in control so you can sell your home fast. The economy and housing market are becoming more uncertain, and homeowners just like you want to make sure you cash in on your equity. And that's why thousands of clients work with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. They have over 4,000 five-star reviews because their guaranteed offer works. You sell your home quickly, stress-free, and move when it's convenient for you. Just go to chrislindahl.com for a free, no-obligation guaranteed cash offer. It's available 24 hours a day. They'll make you an as-is cash offer on your home fast. Whether it's a total fixer-upper or in perfect condition, Chrislindahl Real Estate's guaranteed cash offer is the easiest way to sell your home. To find out what your guaranteed cash offer would be, go to chrislindahl.com right now and start packing. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, back here, Worst Seats in the House, Mike Russo, Anthony LaPanta, coming to you from inside of each arena. The Wild team photo is done. The Toronto Maple Leafs are about to begin practicing. The Wild play the Ottawa Senators on Saturday at 10 a.m. Uh, Central Time, I believe, uh, 5 p.m. here, and on Sunday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. That, so the game against Ottawa is at 10 a.m. on Saturday, then uh, Toronto 7, 7 a.m. Yep, yeah, so yes, 7 a.m. On Valley Sports North, it's Wild Live at 6.30 a.m. on Sunday. That's a good one. Right. Uh, so get up early to watch uh, to watch uh, Wild Live on Valley's. Uh, just, to see. Put a, just to put a quick wrap on what we were talking about just before the break about the the team's slow starts this year, and I was looking, I, I really think that, and I don't mean to blame 100% of these problems on goaltending because it's not been 100%. Some of that has been the structure in front of them. But that's really what the number is that is most concerning when you look at what's happened in the first period. Their shots against are actually in the upper half of the league, but their goalie save percentage in the first period all season long has been a problem, and right now, 83.2% in the first period. The next lowest team in the league is 86.7. Wow. And there's and only— that's going to be the Sharks, right? Uh, I think it's Buffalo, actually. Okay. But it's—there are—you just can't—you know, you, at the other end of the spectrum, you got teams like Boston's at 96%. The Islanders are at 95 Well, that allows you some time to find your game when you know that the guy behind you is stopping nine and a half out of ten, now even if you're off a little bit early, you can survive. You can get to the first intermission even 1-1 or down 1-0 or something, not where you're down 3-1 after one. And that's been that's been where Minnesota's game has been different from last year. Last year, same two goaltenders were third in the league in save percentage at the end of the season for the, for the whole game, not just first period, 91.9. And if you can get it, if you can even get to, if you even put this team at 91 right now, think of where they'd be compared to mm -hmm. where they are. There, they've gotten bad goaltending. I mean, there has not been a, uh, uh, other than opening night, there hasn't been a game that was stolen. But they're not even getting the saves. Uh, you know, we, you and I have talked about this a lot. Like, at some point, you got to get a big save. Now, like, Flurry made big saves the other night, but they were down by three when he was doing it. Like, you know, the Buffalo game is a great example where the team is struggling to score, but they are outplaying the game. In normal years, the Wild figure out a way to win that game if they're getting saves, but then at the end of the second period, they give up a breakaway, bad play by Jonas Burdeen. Um, you know, on the, on the, he needed to get that puck deep and not try to force it to Caprice off for the breakaway. But, like, it... It's not against the rules for Gustafson to stop Jeff Skinner in that situation, right. and he just didn't do it. No, and what's interesting is I think this supports exactly what you're saying is if you look now at five-on-five five I'm talking, I suppose I could check it for all overall, but at five-on-five five, their high danger save percentage mm -hmm. is right in the middle of the league, like 82%. They're 17th or 18th in the league. 
but their overall save percentage is dead last at 875. Mm-hmm. And you can't win games in this league stopping 87.5% of the shots. Mm-hmm. You never will be able to. But it just tells you that it isn't because they're giving up a ridiculous number of high danger chances. It's that they're allowing goals on less than high danger right. opportunities well, at too a, high of a isn't there too a PK a low danger save percentage like as bad as there is in the league too? Like which also just shows you that they're not getting a save on the PK. It's not just yeah. behind. Well, it's not that they're giving up goals just in the house, right? They're right. You know, Gus and Flurry are giving up goals well, from low would, danger. It would make sense because their overall high danger save percentage is only like seventy six. So it would tell you, and that's like twenty eighth in the league. So at even strength, they've been fine. But on the on the penalty kill, they haven't been very good. The they could their penalty kill high danger save percentage is is actually dead last in the league. Fifty-five percent. Jesus Christ! Fifty-five percent on high danger. Yeah, cha- on high danger shots. And again, if you look what at the it, team, now, what would the top in the league be? Well, like top what? of the league is one hundred because the Kings haven't. Okay, which you know, that's Cam Talbot, ironically. But it's you know wow. the Avalanche are at ninety-six. The we talked about this a little bit with Dallas the other day. Their penalty kills near the top of the league. Well, their high danger save percentage on the kill is ninety-one point three. High danger save percentage. Yeah. Their overall save percentage is 96 on the kill. So at some point, these numbers are going to come back toward the middle. Even if the <laughs> Wild end up being yeah. 25th in the league, the difference isn't going to be 40% like it is mm-hmm. right now. So those are all the reasons why I think right now some of the problems that the teams had have been magnified, maybe increased a little bit, that I think there's going to be regression to the mean on a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff. And well, and at the same time, yeah. on the other end, when you've got your superstar players just not able to finish right now, there's also going to be a, a regression to the mean that bumps that up. Matt Boldy has one goal. Yeah. Kirill Kaprizov has five. You've played 15 games, and those two guys have combined for six goals. That's not going to happen. Right. It just isn't. That's, yeah. Those guys will score, and they're not going to score at a – combined rate of what would that be about 35 goals between the two of them for the season Mm -hmm. that isn't going to happen yeah one way they could score more is if like you know like Kaprizov puts the puck on net rather than the opposing sticks of uh, players going the other way that we could talk about a little bit anyway but back to the goaltending situation and coaching Um, you know the old adage is uh, show me a good goaltender and I'll show you a great coach and show me a bad goaltender I'll show you a horrible coach and uh, and that's what's going on right now too is that you know there's a lot of pressure now suddenly on the coaching staff because this the the, the obligation still for this organization um, is to make the playoffs and you know some of us have the opinion like it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to go for Celebrini or Cole Eiserman or something like that um, but as we know in the lottery there's no guarantees anyway and especially I still if Edmonton's in the lottery right <laughs> and I still don't think that the Wild are bad enough to ever really get to the bottom 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 of the league um, but regardless um, if 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 the belief with the owner and the general manager is that this team, despite all their cap uh, issues and all the stress that, that, you know, all the limitations that Dean Evison has, uh, you know, last year he coached with one hand behind his back. He's probably got one and three quarters this year. Um, Regardless of all that, if the obligation is still to make the playoffs, that would put a lot of pressure now on the coaching staff that if this is a tough weekend or this doesn't turn around quickly, that they can be in trouble. Well, yeah, and it is a win league. It's a results league. You have to win. Mm-hmm. Billy's made so many comments since he's gotten here that we're here for one reason, that's to win. And he's been pretty clear about this team, even though he's well aware of the salary limitations that they're facing and the injury problems that they've had. But he looks at this roster as a playoff team. And and I do too. I believe this is a playoff team. I think they're the third best team in the Central Division. I thought that coming into the year, I still believe it. And uh, so I think he looks at it that way. Now, losing games is one thing. Losing games 8-3 to three at home against a divisional rival is another. And I think if you saw a couple more games like that, now all of a sudden you legitimately have to start wondering mm-hmm. if it's time to for a new voice. But I think if, the, if it's not that, if you're just – Finding ways to lose games, that's different. And right now the Wild have had a little bit of both. So because he, general manager, 
management, they can look at the same stats too. And they know that it ain't the coach when your goalies are stopping 87% of the pucks. It just isn't. And I think they need to, there's some responsibility on the coaching staff. There's no question about it. Especially because they're penalty kill. You know, like the penalty kill to me is the big thing. Yeah, defensive structure and penalty kill, I believe a lot of times are a reflection on coaches. You can't coach somebody to score. But you can for sure coach structure in your own zone. You can coach a team to play the game the way it has to be played to have success. And when you go into your slumps, you're losing a bunch of three to two games because you don't score, as opposed to a bunch of seven to four games because you can't keep the puck out of your net. And I joked about Edmonton in the lottery. Well, that's been Edmonton for 10 years, is all the scoring in the world, but they keep losing games six to four and wondering why they can't string anything together. They had one little run. Well, that that's why their coaching staff is no longer there, mm-hmm. or at least the head guy. They've won three in a row, two yeah. in a row since the coaching. Yeah, and so we'll see. I mean, I I'd be really surprised if we don't see this wild team come out here with a different effort in these two games in Stockholm. And I just think you're going to see a team that understands where they the precarious spot they're sitting right now and not that you can bury yourself but you can make life awfully miserable on yourself if you don't if you put yourself too far out of the race at Mm -hmm. this early point in the season do do you do you buy into the whole um you know uh, that that sometimes coaches do lose the room that the voice i mean this is dean's fifth year you know, it's parts of five years, but he's been here longer, right? I mean, he yeah. was he was started as assistant, then became interim, then he had that removed in, during the bubble and all that stuff. So that technically counts as his first year. So this is year five. You start hearing the same things every day. Um, you, you know, do you worry that that the commitment level? One reason why it's not there right now is that he's sort of not, I don't I don't want to say lost the room, but but that maybe it just becomes monotonous, and sometimes you know Billy might have to recognize that and make a move. I think it's a very real thing. I don't feel that that's what's happened here. Mm -hmm. And there are times, though, where, yes, you just, players hearing the same terminology, the same explanation, the same, even if a new guy comes in and he's saying exactly the same thing, but he's just using a different way to say it, he's delivering the message in a different way. And I'll tell you, we see it, I saw it when I used to, coach high school baseball and high school football like sometimes it's just you need to hear it from a different guy Mm -hmm. and we'd have a kid where we'd say hey look let's have him hear it from you instead of from me let's have him hear from the assistant coach rather than the head coach and this is a little different because it's you get the same guys year after year after year where yeah there are some times and, and we've seen it here i i was a big fan of mike yo i terrific guy good coach and hardest as among the hardest working coaches I've ever been around but you could see that that was team time. at the end of his time here yeah. they weren't responding to him anymore and this is different I don't feel that when I watch these guys and I see their attitude around the rink I you see the way they're interacting with each other with yo you could almost hear the little comments aside off to the side guys not that I don't even have a specific examples, but it was almost like you could sense guys rolling their eyes when they heard explanations of things. That's not happening here right mm-hmm. now. I think you got a team that's looking at themselves saying, what the hell's wrong with us? I don't think sure they're looking so. at, I, I really, mm-hmm. I get that feel. Now, whether or not Billy feels the same way or Craig Leopold feels the same way, I don't know. But I'm just saying when Yo was nearing the end, we all felt it. You and I had talked about it a number of times. We we kept thinking it's we're a loss or two away from, and it would be unfortunate because of how much we like the guy personally. And I just don't get that sense that it's that kind of situation going on here. You lose a couple games here, four or five to one or six to two, and that's that's how I, I feel I like I, like like I don't sense that like it could happen the second. But it could change in two days. Like, like 
especially the way the schedule is made up, right? Like, when do you usually change a coach? When there's a bunch of practice days coming up, and and they got that. Yeah, coming up. the Wild haven't done that. Yeah, we're both, yeah, that's true. both times yeah, it's they, been a on the hey, way to Vancouver. We're, and stuff. we're leaving tomorrow, and we're leaving with a new coach. Torchetti, <laughs> that was yeah, hilarious. Torchetti's right. like sitting down with Eric Halla before a flight to Vancouver. Well, um, and it was valentine's day twice yeah because there were two times where i was out to dinner with margo for valentine's day mm-hmm. and the wild replaced a coach yeah so um you know let's go now to the other end of the spectrum and talk more about the players like like if they're not if they're not tuning out dean are they too comfortable as an organization right now like do these players let's on on many different levels here so you have um a bunch of guys with long-term contracts with known trade clauses. Then you have no cap space, so you, you have a coach that can't take guys out of the lineup and hold guys but accountable. You know that's and an interesting point because I think you were there the other day when Dean was asked about that. I asked about it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it's something that I know you and I have talked about, but times are different in the NHL. They're like, just – you can't sit a guy. Very often. Mm. You can bench a guy for a, a few shifts in a period here or there, but almost everybody isn't just the wild. Almost everybody's roster is so locked that yeah. there's no room. We, we have seen you some guys this year, Hubido, we've seen uh, a you know, Liney. Right, uh, for like a segment of a game, yeah. and you for sure can do that, and I think sometimes coaches have to be willing to do that. I think Dean was... Dean might have been a little more willing to do that early in his time when it was Kevin Fiala, and and we saw it with Parisi and things like that. And maybe there maybe there could be a little bit more of that. But I also just think there's a the NHL is just different because you don't have nobody has the salary cap space to have two or three extra legitimate NHL players as their nightly scratched guys right almost everybody's got one guy there that's like an emergency career ahl player that if somebody goes down we can throw this guy in for a night very few teams have because of how tight they all are to the cap i mean i even think back to the going back to those mike yo years where you know the wild would have guys like zucker coil Halla would be extra guys some nights Mm -hmm. they weren't they weren't in the lineup every single night and that's different than what we deal with right now because you look at this team most nights they don't even have a 13th forward on the active roster Mm -hmm. so there is a little bit of comfort there but it's not just for minnesota it's for everybody yeah and and i think so but maybe it's maybe there is a comfort level in the guys are looking down the lineup saying well what are you going to do you're not if I'm Kirill Kaprizov, I mean, how many times do I not score? Are you going to put Brandon Duhame in my spot? I mean, that just isn't going to happen. Right. And But so with all that aside, when you watch this team, even on their worst nights, and look at let's just look at the Dallas game as maybe that's rock bottom. Was there ever a point in that game where it looked to you like it was a lack of effort situation where there were guys coasting, guys – I, I never did. I thought yeah. you'd look at the shifts even at the end of the game when it was 8-3, to three, and guys were still, they were grinding, they were working. They, it just wasn't going their way. It's a different type and of work, though. Like, like I don't see that we see them, like, you know, I think the shot, the, the block shots are an example of this, that yeah. there's just not as much sacrifice anymore. But that I agree with. I yeah. don't think they've been, and that, but that goes back to some of the structure stuff and mm-hmm. commitment to play the game the right way. Turnovers at the offensive blue line, to me, are the same kind of work as being willing to block a shot because that's working to play the game the way that you know it needs to be played. But, again, let's go back to the example of the one team that's made a coaching change so far this year in Edmonton, and you watch those guys play, and every night you could pick out 15 examples of guys coasting back into the zone, just kind of standing around flat-footed while the other team is zipping the puck around and you're in their defensive zone. And that is something we haven't ever seen. I think as soon as you see that, that's when you know that there's a either an issue with a too comfort uh, comfort level that's too high for a team or that a coach has just lost control of what's happening with that team. And so far... I don't believe we've seen that with the Wild. Go back to the night in Philadelphia, which I thought was I thought at that point might be the low point. And even then they were still they were 
there was a work level. There was an effort level. There was a a team that was still fighting for pucks and grinding in the corner, and it, nobody was coasting. It just wasn't going their way that night. Yeah. And I think there's and they a could have come back and won that game if it wasn't for Carell there in the third. Right. Um, which he uh, definitely admitted the next night. Um, Leafs are about to practice here. It's kind of where you see Ryan Reeves, John Klingberg out there. Mike Van Ryan, the assistant coach, old assistant coach of the Houston Arrows out there as well. I uh, covered him down in, in uh, Florida. Uh, they're about to take their team picture and uh, and uh, and and uh, right in front of us. we got another audience uh, here. Um, trying to think where to go now. Um, I don't know. I enjoyed I, the it, dinner you had to buy me at the Pelican the yeah, other night. I did night. not that enjoy good. that. That was that was good. I was I, I have to we have to acknowledge that you paid up on your bet that was made a few shows ago. It was seven of us were there. Five took your recommendation and ordered the Swedish meatballs, <laughs> which by the way I've I found or heard of. I didn't find it. I heard of a a place to have a terrific, authentic Swedish meal that we might have to check out maybe tonight. What's that? Uh, it's a place called Riches that apparently has yeah that, is uh, that known was, as the best Swedish meatballs in town. Yeah, that so. was uh, uh, Marcus Johansson uh, recommendation in our Insider the other day that clearly you didn't read. I I might not have read it yet. If I I'll I'll get back to it. Our recording uh, we went to recordy the other day. That was good. It was Italian good. place. It was. Uh, we good. had right next to us. We had I think it was uh, Stutzla, Thomas Shabbat, Zub, McCune, and uh, Matthew Joseph sitting yeah, right next to us. We knew as and, soon as they walked in, Ryan Carter and I knew that you'd be absent from our conversation because you'd be trying to listen with one ear to what they were talking <laughs> about. So, um, but those how about guys their there? game yesterday? Huh. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Yeah. And it, you know how hard it was to find a place here in town that was showing the NHL game? Really? So I walked into this, not the O'Leary's where you did your show, uh, where I stopped by to see you guys. I went to an O'Leary's back in our neighborhood of our hotel. And I walked in, and I think it was Swedish Elite League. There was a, a hockey game on. And I walk in, I sit down, order a glass of wine, and... I said, hey, I looked at my watch. I was like, it's past eight. Can like, can we get the NHL game? And he just looks at me and says, no. <laughs> I said, what What do you mean? I said, can the, the NHL game that's here in town? No, we don't have that. And I, I was a little bit, I, for a minute, I thought he maybe was a language barrier. He didn't really understand what I was asking. And so we're sitting there. And first of all, whenever anybody scored in this, Swedish Elite League game, the entire bar roared. So I mean, they were into it. They were into this, whatever this game was. And so I get to talking to the bartender a little bit. He, you know, are you from the United States? Yes, I am. And it comes out that I'm there with the Minnesota Wild. So he was like, well, look, I'm sorry. I'll, the wine's on me because I couldn't get you the game. And I just said, I'm shocked that with how big a deal they've made of these games here in Stockholm that they wouldn't have found a way to get them on to local television so that the people in town could see the games. And so I'm chatting with him, and I was going to go somewhere else because I wanted to watch the game. He buys me my wine, and I look over and I said, say, by the way, I'm guessing that table is going to ask you the same question. And he says, why? And I said, because those five guys all play for the Maple Leafs. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, the Toronto Maple Leafs? And I said, yes. And so then all of a sudden, I, I didn't see what happened because I left. But included in the group was John Klingberg and Morgan Riley was there. And it was five Maple Leafs players. And they were watching the Swedish Elite League game. Now you're watching the game. And, and, I, and I, I'm guessing they might want to watch the NHL game too. But right. maybe not. Maybe they were into the, the Swedish game. But it, it was... It was really interesting to watch the Swedish game, first of all. The way that the atmosphere in the arena is different than an NHL oh, game. Yeah. It's almost like a soccer game yeah. feel with the noisemakers going and the, yeah. the crowd roaring. In 2010 in Helsinki, we went to Granlund's game, IFK, and it was exactly like that. It was, it was yeah. a party. And so it was interesting to watch that and to listen to the way that yeah. their, their hockey play-by-play guys almost call it like soccer. Yeah. Where 
they won't say anything for like 30 seconds in a row and just listen to the crowd and the, yeah. the noisemakers and whatever. And then all of a sudden something will happen and they'll jump. For a minute I thought, what, well, do they not have announcers here? And then all of a sudden they jump in and, and they add a couple points to it. Less and, is more over right. here. Yeah, that, um, was, that was interesting to watch. But so then I did go. where uh, Eric Snack played and all those guys, um, they have a sauna in the corner. That really? you could buy tickets sit and in the sauna, in the sauna and watch, a, watch so the games. I did find another place then that did have the game and sat and watched the game there, it was, which was great. And, and yeah, the atmosphere in here, I didn't have the sound on where I was watching it, but it, it looked like an exciting atmosphere in the building, it looked like it was very pro Red Wings. And it'll be, I'll be curious to see how it is now. The Toronto, Detroit play tonight, and then we get Minnesota, Ottawa and Minnesota-Toronto over the weekend, I, I think we'll have a, I would imagine we'd have a pretty raucous, pro-wild crowd here Saturday and maybe big Sunday. Time. Yeah, big time. Hopefully the Wild don't take a penalty and give up a goal in the first <laughs> minute. Tell us about, uh, actually, uh, here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Tell us about Kowalski's, Anthony. Well, the night before we were leaving, not that I didn't trust what the meal was going to be on the plane, but before we left, I said, I'm going to be gone for a week. And so Margo says, well, I'd really love to have one last steak before you go. So I stopped by Kowalski's and picked up their Akaushi fillets. Each night when I go in there, it's whatever looks best in that meat case. And they've got the USDA 40-DH prime steak cuts and then they've got the akaushi and their akaushi fillets when you get them with marbling they are tough to top we had a terrific steak dinner before we left i always love visiting their their wine shop as well and actually they've got a they've got a new line of wines i don't know if you call it lines but they went down the road of women winemakers and so if you check this out i'm a big italian wine guy but this i've got a couple french reds from a mary taylor is the name of the winemaker that i've picked up there i was recommended by the the knowledgeable people in the kowalski's wine shop there's a couple different versions there's an angel rouge and an angel blanc and then there's another one that it, you'll know it when you see it it looks like it's a science bottle because it doesn't have any kind of wrapping over the cork it's just a cork in a clear bottle on the top but it's from mary taylor check it out anytime you're going to have a great meal you got to start with the best ingredients most of them locally produced that's from kowalski's and then trust the people in the wine shop they know their stuff and here's a word from royal credit union do more with royal credit union's mobile app the royal mobile app lets you receive real-time account alerts deposit checks send money to family and friends pay bills, and more. It's quick and easy to manage your accounts from anywhere, and you can even log in with your fingerprint or face. Open your Royal Credit Union account and enjoy our top-rated mobile app. Learn how easy it is to get started with the Royal Credit Union mobile app at rcu.org slash go mobile. Insured by NCUA. All right, back here, Worst Scene Styles, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, the final segment of the show. Next live show, November 21st at Tuttle's, 7 p.m. Uh, can't wait to get back there. It'll be fun. We'll have a um, uh, usually a meal deal that we'll uh, publicize on Twitter as well. Maple what day Lisa, of the week is November 21st? What's That's a, um, uh, I don't know, that's four days from now, believe it or not, right? Is it really? Yeah, so it must be. Tuesday. I hope it's not Wednesday. It's Tuesday. Okay, good. Because I made some plans for Wednesday. <laughs> Friday, yeah, Just made me think about it that I made some plans and I hadn't checked my podcast yeah, yeah. schedule. Yeah, I know. Margo uh, put it in your schedule. You should have looked. All right. Um, okay. Uh, Maple Leafs are practicing right now. By the way, I went uh, to a Portuguese fusion restaurant for dinner last night and had some Portuguese wine. Uh, and I showed 
the uh, sommelier, uh, the different wineries, the two that we're going to on our Portugal trip next year, next year and she said that we we're going to absolutely freaking love it. So really? Can't Boy, wait for have that. I heard some great things about Portugal. Yeah. So, and I had heard a few. I'd had some friends that had gone to Portugal recently who had all raved about it, but everybody to whom I've mentioned that, hey, next year's trip to Portugal, I, I have... Everybody that has said anything has said, oh, it's unbelievable. You're going to love it. And I don't know much about it, so I'm anxious to do a little research yeah. and get prepared. Same here. Uh, by the way, if you want to go on our trip next year, defineddestinations.com. All right, Mike Sampson, I'd ask, uh, does Krill's subpar play have anything to do with his injury from last year? Um, I mean, the Wilds say no. Um, and, uh, you know, after the game the other night, uh, the Sunday game, he went in for treatment was complaining about something that was related to his injury last year to err on the side of caution. They, they got imaging the next day and, and, you know, from what I understand, um, everything checked out normal. I think that if there was anything at all of concern with him, they would not let him on the ice, but he was immediately on the team, uh, team plane on Monday night, practice Wednesdays, practicing here today on Friday and, and, uh, said that he's good to go. So I don't think this is an injury thing with him. I don't think it is either. And I remember last year after the playoff series, I remember talking to Dean late in the series and just said, is Kirill right? Because he clearly looked like he wasn't after the cross-check from Suter early in that series. And Dean said, all I know is he hasn't, he hasn't gone in to see the trainers for any kind of treatment this entire series. And I think the same has been true early this year. I think it was probably just a let's make sure thing by sending him to make sure like let's just go and test it because he hasn't looked the same hasn't looked as explosive and I asked Dean the other day about it because I thought before the Dallas game he had a four game stretch where the the analytics said that his game was closer to what it had been last year when he was at his best I still didn't think that it necessarily passed the eye test where he just didn't have those dominating shifts the game changing possession shifts like we've seen so often from him and Dean was pretty blunt. He just said, you know, the analytics are great, but those guys have to score. They're paid to score. They have to score. And I think that's what Kirill's feeling. And I wonder if we're just seeing a guy that's pressing a little bit because he knows the team's not playing as well as they should. He knows that he's one of the guys who has the ability to change it on his own, and he hasn't done that yet. And I think you're seeing a guy feeling some pressure in a lot of it self-imposed. But that he's starting to, that's affecting his game. He's trying to make plays that aren't there sometimes, and we'll see. I, I always his feel lack like of with, separation is concern. It is, but yeah. I feel like some of that might just be the plays that he's trying to make when they're not there instead of trusting, just give the puck up and you'll get it back, and you'll get it back in a better spot where now you can separate. So I agree with you. I don't think he's looked as, as explosive and as dominant, but I wonder if it's just a little bit of a combination of, that maybe maybe he's a little beat up, but I don't think it's anything major. And then it's I think it's just a guy pressing because he senses the frustration of the team. Against Ottawa on Friday, he's going to play with Marco Rossi and Matt Zuccarello. And one big reason for that, Anthony, is is a reunion of uh, Matt Boldy, Marcus Johansson, and Joel Eriksson. Uh, Boldy was as prolific a goal scorer as we've seen in the month of March last year. Um, the goal was to start the, the threesome together, but then Matt uh, obviously had the AC issue um, in Toronto game two of the season, and now we're finally seeing him reunited. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. I think the Wild have, you know, last year we talked a lot about this when things weren't going well in the playoffs that Dean was hesitant to juggle his lines. But I always said, well, look at the lineup and who would you juggle? They just they didn't have guys that were capable of filling other roles. Now you do. It, and it doesn't even really change the top nine, who's in the nine. But there are different combinations you could try. I thought the first move that Dean made made a lot of sense. Went to the Ek maroon Felito line in an attempt to recreate something along the lines of that great grief line from a couple of years ago where it was just a big, heavy line, hard to play against, know their identity, start periods with them and try to set the tone. Marco Rossi's emergence has given you an extra guy that can play in the top six. And now he's got some buttons he can push within games and from game to game. And we've seen a little bit more of that. 
And when it wasn't going well the other night, he put Hartman back with Zuccarello and Kaprizov. I just think you're seeing a team that at least, even though they're struggling with lack of depth due to some of the cap issues, you at least have nine guys that you can plug and play a little bit with where they might fit. And the presence of Johansson from the start this year, the improved and emergence of Marco Rossi, are two of the big reasons why you have that flexibility. Uh, Michael asks, when do you hit the panic button on Charlie Strammel? I mean, four years from now? I don't, I don't know. I mean, or, like, as Anthony just mentioned, Marco Rossi, uh, people were calling him a bust last year. He's four years older than Charlie Strammel. It takes time. I know that it's been a disappointing start to his sophomore year at, at Wisconsin. He had the injury. Um, I don't even know if he's back. I haven't paid attention. Um, boy, by the way, Wisconsin playing well, huh? Yeah, Mike Hastings. really playing Miracle well. Maker. A lot of credit needs to be given to Hastings. I haven't watched them other than I saw a little bit of their series against Minnesota. and But it, hard to believe that you can have that immediate of an impact, but he has. Sneaky Athleticism says, uh, what is the plan for Europe and who's not enough after their season's end? Uh, it's to sign them. Uh, and bring him over for next year with uh, Liam Ogren, who Joe Smith wrote about yesterday. Um, Holden Mini says that the team management shoot themselves in the foot by signing three older guys to lengthier deals. You know, what's your opinion on that? My, my bigger issue with it is more so that if this team goes awry, Anthony, they've shot themselves in the foot from at least being able to trade assets at the deadline, which would have been a beneficial thing if they don't, they're not going to make the playoffs. Well, maybe, but... The truth is, those guys are probably still tradable assets. It's just that it's more unlikely that the Wild would want to trade them. Right. They have right? no moves, though. Yeah. And so, but you've got, you've probably got some spots where if you really wanted to push, I mean, no moves are terrific, but in a lot of cases, guys are willing to back off of that anyway, especially at that point. I don't know. I, I don't think giving yourself commodities to trade at the deadline was a major priority. I think it was more these were identity guys for for what the Wild want to be. And they're the type of guys that Billy wants to have set the tone for the way this team is going to play. And we'll find out. It, I don't think right now is the time to judge whether they were we've talked enough about the deals, the length, the term, all that kind of stuff and how it all fits. I think the way and the time to judge was this the right plan of attack for the Minnesota Wild is about two years from now. Kadecki asks, tell us something awesome about Sweden that most dumb Americans wouldn't know about unless they've been there. No one thing that I, I've learned is they don't take money anywhere. I, I went uh, to Wells Fargo before the trip and got like $300 worth of Swedish krona. Kron Can't get anybody to take it. Like everything is cashless here. Yeah, I'm trying to think of if I've paid cash for anything. I got a few crowns to just to make sure I had it, and I think the only thing I've paid cash for was maybe a. I think I paid a cab driver in cash. Oh, I just tipped him in cash. Uh, but, Paul Meyer, yeah, what's... it's a, you know the one thing I love about the it's a. I don't know a lot about the Viking history, but it was fascinating to learn a little bit at the Vasa Museum the other day, and European history fascinates me. And just the way some of that evolved, I think what stands out most to me about this town is the cleanliness. And mm -hmm. I'm talking like there's there's no sketchy element on the streets. There's no trash on the streets. It is, and then the watch out for the bicyclists because they're more oh, yeah. dangerous than the cars when yeah. you're crossing streets. Well, if, you, if you've ever been to Amsterdam, you know that. How about the Royal Palace? How cool is that place? It is cool. Yep, seeing the changing of the guards. Paul yeah. Myers, uh, what size is the ice this weekend's game? Uh, it's going to be NHL-sized drink. Um, let's see. A any other cool questions here before we wrap up? Uh, because we do have to get over to practice. EJ wants to know, what's your ideal next Global Series location and why? What would be yours, Anthony? Ooh, boy, I really Tuscany? haven't thought about it. Yeah, I Sicily <laughs> perhaps would be a great one. But uh, they always try to send teams to these countries that have guys from those countries on their rosters. Yeah. And it's, you know, so if you went to Sicily, you'd probably be pretty limited to how many guys would have ties there. I think all these European cities, I, it, I think it's great for the league to grow the game in these 
in cities like this, countries like, you know, Sweden's got 100-plus guys in the NHL, and they've produced tremendous players. So to come back here and allow these guys to play in front of their friends and family I think is terrific. I don't really have one in mind, but I think it's – I think this – this kind of a place is a perfect spot. I, you know, Finland is obviously always a, a good one, but I think what will be interesting is if or when the league ever takes a game to Russia. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a while. Um, Boba, final question of the show. Boba Gata Jets. Um, how legit are the Canucks, Anthony? Top three scorers in the league, all Canucks, JT Miller, Elias Pettersson, and Quinn Hughes. Uh, tied for the top goal scorer in the league, Brock Besser. Well, they, they look legit they got a to guy me. that know that demands what he wants behind the bench, and the guy can coach. But I also think the biggest thing for them, all those all those guys were elite scorers before. The difference is Thatcher Demko has been terrific so far this year. If that can continue, and that's almost like the yep. exact opposite of what we're talking about here with the Minnesota Wild. I think there'll probably be a little bit of a reversion of the mean with Demko. I don't think he's going to continue stopping 96% of shots that he's facing. But I think they're legit, and legit in part to the fact that I think that division, I was never sold on Edmonton. I'm still not sold on Edmonton. San Jose is a disaster. Anaheim, I think, is fool's gold early. I don't think they're ready to compete yet. So you've got L.A. and Vegas. Calgary has underachieved out of the gates. Seattle, I think, overachieved last year. But why not? Yeah. You play yeah. most of your games within your division, and if you can take advantage of that, you got a shot. I'll tell you, though, Calgary, it's still what I think Bill I think Bill got a little too um, – quick to to sign these guys like right now I'd, I'd rather be in calgary's position with all those guys on sign and and now trade ships and things like that and i, I just i don't know i'm a little concerned about uh signing these guys and i think it's led to the comfort level uh that we're seeing here um which is ironic because again when bill Guerin first got here i think he tried to get rid of the country club and i think he's kind of unknowingly uh, created a new one here. Uh, that's it for this show um, from Avicii Arena. Uh, next live show again, November 21st, 7 p.m. at Tuttles. Uh, that'll be a really, really fun show. We'll have a special from Grain Belt as well. So thanks as always to Grain Belt and Tuttles for always hosting us. And thanks to Aquarius Home Services. This is coming to you from location at the Aquarius Home Services studio. Your installers of Connecticut Water Treatment Systems, Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Owen Lodge at Lake Winnipegashish. Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Kowalski's, and Royal Credit Union. Talk to you next week. Anthony at Tuttles. So much coming out, there's nothing going in. I know that you feel like you're never going to win. Oh, but the 